It's tough being a teen, and it's even tougher when you're saving the world, but still have to be home in time to finish your algebra homework. On today's episode, Mikey has a 2000s pop culture encyclopedia, Charlie wants Chase Stein to think about his life choices, and we finally break into Runaways, Volume 1. And welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And this is episode number nine. So, nine episodes. I'm not going to talk about how many episodes preceded this one. Everybody, <laughs> can, everybody can count, I think. But, Mikey, how are you? How are you doing today? I, well, you, <laughs> you know how I'm doing today. I am tired. I know. I know. It's not really day. It's evening. I was trying to deceive everybody. Yeah. <laughs> My computer decided to explode today. I know. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm cold, but that's all right. It's that time of year. So <laughs> I'm not really like it's not really winter me. has come for us. Something yeah. something Game of Thrones. But that's not that's not what we're here to talk about. I no. I don't even watch Game of Thrones. I just know peripherally about it through the internet. Yeah. Like I disseminate most of my knowledge about things that I don't necessarily watch and or read but we are here because this is actually um i guess season two of our podcast is starting except for we didn't have like a whole like year like half a year six months interim break between seasons yeah yeah i i use the seasons denotation mostly just to let people know like what is in sequence with each other oh yeah so I think it makes sense now that we've moved on from Young Avengers Volume 1 onto Runaways Volume 1 to change it from Season 1 to Season 2 so that people don't freak out and go, oh my gosh, I have to listen to all of this. No, you don't. No, you don't. I mean, you can, but... Please, please do. In fact, last week's episode with Christina Strain, um, still absolutely an amazing thing that happened. And if you haven't listened to Episode 8, go back and yeah, listen to Episode really 8. Good. Because it was awesome, and there are, there have been some I won't say developments, but last week yeah. was kind of <laughs> last week is kind of buck wild. Coming up on our week anniversary of Charlie having a personal crisis. <laughs> I wasn't having. Well, I kind of was having a personal crisis. Um, I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot. A lot happened last Tuesday. Yeah. Um, if if you're on Twitter and you've been in and around in and around Twitter, you'll know that uh, Christina tweeted some things about writing a Nate Gray series just as as like a pitch as a pitch slash joke yeah and it really just kind of uh up steam from that point and like snowballed into at the end of that day several letters to Marvel about wanting the series well I think one of the letters was before the day was even over yeah no you are correct like someone just went in and decided to email Marvel or mail Marvel whichever Whichever. And uh, there, it also ended with some Chris Anka art of Nate Gray. <laughs> and uh, do, do you want to talk about the Shatterstar and Richter art that you also received? Okay, I would say I don't usually do this, but I have been known to like not look at the people's Twitters before I at reply them if they're talking to me on Twitter. So I got gr basically grouped into a message with Christina Strain, Chris Anka, 
than someone else who was talking about Nate Gray and then just started talking about Shatterstar in regards to like, well, if we're going to do like a queer book, then Shatterstar, quote unquote, is single. He should be, you know, I know someone he could be with. And <laughs> because I'm me, I replied back and I just said, Shatterstar has a boyfriend, period. His name is Richter, period. Like that. Yes. And I usually don't clap back at people. I don't. But I was just like, I'm very protective of it these days. So I just have to. That's fair. I just had to say that. And they came back and they're like, oh, I didn't realize I've been out of comics for a while, but it's good to hear that they are together. And I was like, yes, very. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And then I clicked on their Twitter and they are a uh, director of animation at Disney Studios. (laughs) In fact, a a storyboard artist for the new DuckTales cartoon. And uh, then I was like, well, that certainly happened. And it was just like a funny thing that happened to me because these things do happen to me a lot for some reason. I end up like talking to people that are people talk to me. And about an hour later, I got some fan art <laughs> from this person of Richter and Shatterstar drawn Disney style. And I literally sobbed. Well, it was a parody of if you've seen um, Revolutionary Girl Utena, the anime of how the duelists in that show draw their swords from the sword keeper. I forget the term in series for it because there is a term. Charlie hasn't seen Utena, so they probably don't know what I'm talking about. But it was, I believe, Shatterstar drawing the sword from Richter. Yes. Which, if you think about it, it's not too far of a stretch considering how Shatterstar needs like a person that he has like a connection to for some of his powers to work properly. In fact, for his real mutant power to work properly. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it was wrong. I was just that ended like that ended the day that was just like kind of just crazy anyway. So that yeah. was my that was my week ago today. Right about this time too. Revolutionary Girl Utena is also a series that I would recommend to people to watch, but with caveats for content warnings. Utena's a lot about like dealing with toxic masculinity and the relationships between women and men, especially like teenagers in Japan and like a coming of age story. It's a good anime, but if you haven't watched it, caution that there's some stuff in it. So, yeah, but my wild week aside, um, we're here to talk about Runaways, the first volume of Runaways, which there is a method to the madness. We are coming back. We will cover more Young Avengers material, but the Young Avengers material we want to cover in between volume two does connect to the Runaways at some point. And I need I need everybody to know what's going on before we tackle all that. Yeah. So before we delve into the issues themselves, Charlie, I mean, we haven't finished the first season of the TV show yet because we record a podcast and that takes up time on the weekends. So as someone that's seen at least some of the show before reading these books. Uh, What did you think of the first two issues that we're reading today? I was honestly startled that it was so close. Yeah. Rereading it, I was also like, because I remember, what I remember is more of the middle of volume one. Like, I remember briefly what happens in the kind of first arc, Pride and Joy, but I don't remember it, like, so super closely. It's all set up. So that's also something that was... Um, pretty like clear for me reading this like going through and reading it it's like this is all set up and it was funny with most material and i don't know why i do this because i'm a weirdo you're not a weirdo i well yeah you're i mean 
Or maybe you are, and we're all weirdos, and that's okay. That's okay. Um, But I, like, come to most media in reverse. I, like, will do something or see something, and then I'll have to go back and, like, look at the source material. I don't know why I do that. Like, I started listening to The Adventure Zone backwards. Don't know why. I mean, it wasn't really backwards, was it? I mean, it was from the middle of... I started listening to The Adventure Zone in the the middle of the 11th hour. Oh, I didn't... And I went back. Yeah, I can't do that. I don't know why I did it like that. I, I don't know, because like starting at a number one is kind of daunting sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Especially when something's gone on for so long. Yeah. But also like, especially with movies and stuff, I know because I was I was the genesis for this all happening. Not to like talk myself up or anything, but like I know that you came to comics through the X-Men movies. And I mean, that's kind of like the ideal for the people that are adapting these works right is that what you're supposed to do right right that's like what the whole thing's about you like it so much to go back and read the original source material and like uh i know when we were talking with christina last week she said that it's clear that the people that were adapting that stuff really cared about the source material in in a very strong way because you know if they hadn't then it wouldn't you know, it wouldn't have worked out as well as it did. But like those people really like really care about the runaways. Um, yeah, no, paraphrasing, it's, it's, of course, it, it, but yeah, yeah it's, it's very it, it's you can see it. And like I said, I was very startled with how close it was. Yeah. Like even even just like down to mostly down to the series of events, but like and also, like panels, like specific panels. Yeah. Like it was crazy. And I was like, oh, this is like, I've already seen this. I've, I've already experienced this. And like, it'd be interesting to see it go the other way around. But no, like, really quick, just the Runaways adaptation compared to a series that I always thought would make a really good small screen or large screen work, the His Dark Materials trilogy. That was one of those things where when they adapted the very first book for a movie, it was a beautiful movie in terms of like the casting was perfect, but the actual story was terrible. Like they would have still images that would look good and then it would just like fall apart. And then they do a bunch of CGI garbage in like the latter half of the movie. And it's literally just a murky, dim thing where you can't tell what's going on. It's like the worst case scenario for CGI. And you look at something like that where it's like this would have made a perfect movie, just they fucked it all up <laughs> compared to something like this where, you know, I think there is a lot of good stuff. There's some stuff that I'm kind of iffy on in the TV show, but I think overall they did a really, really good job. Oh, absolutely. Because that's something I, it was something I was really worried about, actually. I mean, and you should be because how often does that happen? Yeah. More time, nine times out of ten, the adaptation is going to be questionable at the very yeah at the very least or like the worst thing for me which is just eh, like it's all right yeah it's all right that's yeah that's how i feel like, about a lot of things honestly i would rather something be bad than be mediocre because at least if something's bad like if an adaptation is like terrible then <laughs> at least you can laugh about it after the fact whereas True. if it's just kind of mostly bad or like nah, mediocre yeah. like in the middle then it's like Okay, I watched it, but I never have to engage with this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, you know, it becomes forgettable. It's not a good way to be. Yeah. yeah. It's not that's not a good way to be. Like but no, the Iron this Fist isn't... TV show. 
Uh, yeah, well, we're not talking about that right now. I'm still mad about it. If ever, yeah, everybody should be mad about it. Um, I mean, I'm mad about it because I like Iron Fist, but you know. <laughs> I know, I know. But this is not, that's not this. And this is issue one of The Runaways, volume one, because there's more than one volume, clearly, as you know. Yeah, there's now. a ton of volumes of Runaways. Yes. Um, which the volumes, like, that's not a great way to denotate things, especially now, but that's what we're going with. Yeah. Well, it was a lot more common when Marvel would have more ongoings rather than just 20 issues and then renumber it. Honestly, like the volume thing at least kind of makes more sense because I think they would typically change volumes where you would have maybe like seasons. It's kind of analogous to seasons in a TV show. Yeah, it is. But like, that's also not the best way to like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's. I would, I would, I would rather have that than have like twenty number ones within the space of like four years. But you know, <laughs> yeah, but you know, because that's also not helpful. That's where we're living right now. But this is, <laughs> um, the first issue, and this is kind of, I would say, pretty iconic. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but this is back in two thousand and three. So, yeah, like I remembered a lot of it still. Yeah, this is, um, like I said, this is my first time reading it, so. I was a freshman in high school in 2003. This is probably when I should have been reading this book. I mean, that's probably when I should have been reading this book. But I'm coming to it now as someone who likes teen, teen dramas anyway. So um, I'll start us off. This is issue one. And this is obviously Brian K. Vaughn is the writer on this book. The pencils are done by Adrian Alfona. The inks by David Newbold. And the colors right now are by Brian Reber. So that's our creative team for these, these first two issues that we're going to cover because we're going to cover issue number one and issue number two because we're going to take this in bite-sized chunks as we go forward. Yeah. So it's worth noting before we get into the cover entirely, on the cover there is a little like weird swishy icon behind the Marvel logo and the number one. So the reason for that is because this actually debuted as part of Marvel's Tsunami imprint. So Tsunami was Marvel's attempt to create comic books that would capture some of the manga market because they saw, you know, like these digests of books that were like super duper popular and people would buying them despite the fact that manga is pretty expensive actually it is especially back then yeah especially back then yeah like the only reason i ever read it is because i had a friend whose parents bought her every manga under the sun so i could borrow it so they released these books that were kind of aimed at teens and younger audiences in a digest formula that could be sold at bookstores so if you're not familiar with comics, typically comics come in like a trade paperback, which is a comic sized paperback with like a glossy cover and like full color, normally kind of glossy pages, um, like semi gloss, I think would be the technical term, or they come in hardback trades, uh, which have the same kind of pages, maybe a little bit nicer. Hardbacks are tend to be more expensive. I mean, or you just buy floppies, which are yeah. the issues that you normally get in your comic book store on the shelf. Yeah. So digest comics, like a lot of people are probably familiar with like Archie comics that are printed on newsprint or like cheaper paper, are actually not that common in the comic book world. So when they did this, that was actually a very unique thing. Like this was Marvel trying something new. It didn't really work out. Like the imprint kind of collapsed. Also, I'm looking at the list of books that came out under this imprint. Runaways is literally the only one that I remember. 
And maybe like the Emma Frost, because I think that was when someone went back and rewrote her origin story. What are some of the other ones, Mikey? Just have, uh, let me know. I'll read them out. Uh, Human Torch, Inhumans, uh, Mystique, Namor, Sentinel, Venom, New Mutants, Wolverine, Snicked, exclamation point, and Emma Frost. Okay, well, interesting. Inter- interesting kind of collection of those things yeah it says new mutants was relaunched from issue one as new x-men academy x there you go as part of the reload event okay after it was discontinued that is new x-men academy x yeah another book we will be covering that i haven't read human torch namor and venom were complete flops (laughs) apparently new mutants mystique and sentinel also return earned critical acclaim but I don't remember those books. I mean, if New Mutants was actually New Mutants Academy, like New Mutants Academy X. I think that was like when it was like the original team again, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Acad- the Academy X kids are like Hellion, Surge, Dust. Like th- that's that, right? Like X-23. That's all that, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay. There was another book that brought the original New Mutants or most of them back together that was around the same time. But I don't- yeah, no, you you are you are right. So yeah, that imprint didn't survive but this first arc that we're reading right now and the digests from that and i think the second arc how well they sold helped to keep this comic going for as long as it ended up going uh, which i believe is like five volumes which is quite a lot of books yeah um and a lot of stuff happened so it goes places we, yeah and this cover is kind of plain Yeah, so Joe Chen does most of the covers for Runaways throughout the series. I think she stopped doing covers after uh, Joss Whedon left the book, which is ways away, so don't worry about that. So this is just Nico, who we'll be introduced to in a second, wears clothing that's reminiscent of, like, elegant gothic Lolita and, like, goth uh, subcultures. So she's got a ruff around her neck and rough sleeves and like a big jacket trench coat style jacket with like corset snaps on the waist and a big broad collar and she's got her finger up to her mouth making like the shush sign yeah so it's it's very anime yeah it's simple but it is intriguing it's very anime because she's looking at you through her hair and her eyes are kind of like so it's like drawing you in Yes, it's just like, like I said, it's just very anime, which is kind of how I feel about this art, because honestly, I hadn't seen, I'm not super familiar with this artist, even though they're basically like known for this. So I will, I will say, I think the first couple issues, Adrian Alfona was really trying to find his footing. After the first couple issues, the art gets way better also like Chris- when christina starts coloring it it gets way better because the co- <laughs> yeah. like I'm, I'm not here to like just stand for christina strain or anything but honestly yeah. her colors the reason christina became such like a prominent colorist was because of like the depth and like the weight that she gives to her colors and the way it makes things pop off the page when we start here because i read the first issue from the Marvel digital and then the second I got paper copy. So like even looking at it digitally, it's like kind of washed out, honestly. Yeah, you know, I agree. Nothing against the colorist himself. It's just like, I think somewhat too, that might've been purposeful because of like the cartoony style. They might've given it a higher production budget 
once it got out of the tsunami imprint. That's also probably a factor. Yeah, and cartoons is definitely what it evokes to me Mm -hmm. right away. So we actually start in on this with Captain Captain America America and the Hulk (laughs) at the White House. Yes, (laughs) which I was not expecting. (laughs) Yeah, and it and it goes like it's basically this scenario where you think that it's it's maybe opening up because obviously this is Marvel and this is technically something that could happen because Daredevil is also holding a Spider-Man who is dead. Yeah. According and then, to and then uh, someone from behind them says, don't worry, gentlemen, I can handle this. After all, there's more than one way to sue the savage beast. And it's like Sue Storm in this like really ridiculous costume. This is an anime costume if I've ever seen yeah. one. Oh, uh, Yeah. Got like the absolute territory, like thigh highs, like like, like a, a wrapped wrist, like like wrist yeah. wrapping, and she doesn't have sleeves or pants to this costume. It's just like a bodysuit, yeah, like a leotard that is like zipped, like zipped up in one panel, and then the next, it's like zipped down almost <laughs> yeah, to her like, navel. Gets, yeah, in fact. I think it might have looked zipped up just because she's like doing this like walk towards the side. I think it might be permanently unzipped. Okay. <laughs> well, it certainly is permanently unzipped. And it kind of just like that thing, that whole appearance just kind of stops whatever's going on in its tracks. Yeah. And then we actually get like a, okay, wait, time out. And we get some OOC talk because it turns out this is not what it initially appeared to be. No. And in fact, like the one thing that you can see that I think is readily apparent, even in this like earlier style that Alphona is doing, is I think if you like knowing the context, then like you go back and look at the expressions, the expressions like don't match the characters. No. Like they look like the expressions that kids would make. Um, like Cap's making this like face and it's like really good. So, you know, and Daredevil's like, ah, so. Wow, Mikey, thank you. I'm sorry. I don't know how else to convey this expression via sound. <laughs> no, but it's it like, is. Um... It's Spider-Man Cap because he's dead. Like that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> Anyway, you were telling me there was something about this that stood out to you. Yeah, I wasn't um I wasn't expecting in the conversation that the kids are having, which I will say, I guess it quote unquote is something that would you probably encounter on your headset on a mic playing a multiplayer video game. Absolutely, I can confirm. Absolutely. Um, but I was not expecting the arsler to show up right in my face in this conversation. Yeah. To be uttered by Captain America, no less. Yes. It was very jarring, and I was like, what? Yeah, I totally (laughs) forgot about that, actually. And it's funny, because I feel like that would not fly on a kid's book nowadays. Oof, no. Heck no. I don't know how that one got under the radar here. I guess only because, like, Cap, well, what we know, whoever is playing Cap in this game basically thinks that this arrival of this sexy Sue Storm is ruining the game and doesn't think too highly about that. We're on an RP server. Excuse me. If you want to go to like a questing and raiding server, hop out to the other server. Get out of here. You're out of our guild band. (laughs) Um, They do 
I guess, rep to the fact, like, whoever's playing Daredevil here also says, let's not use that word, but... Yeah, like, he does call the cat player out for that, which I think is good, but it's still like, whoa, Nelly, that sure happened. I had to see it two times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because even the way Cap, or sorry, the way Daredevil refutes what was said is also, like, not Not great. great. Yeah. (laughs) That aside... Hulk smooch also. <laughs> That's the best part of this. Um, yeah. Hulk smooch. And like makes grabby hands towards Sue Storm. And is also in the background destroying the White House. He Like after he got tired of everyone like standing and talking, he's like the Leroy Jenkins of this team for sure. Oh my God. Did this comic come out before Leroy Jenkins? I think it might have. <laughs> Oh my god, I th- hold on, sorry. I just I just had a moment. I like that we're just talking about these two things. I guess they make sense together, but also, oh my god. I mean, if you don't know who Leroy Jenkins is, I, I'm not gonna explain that for you. Go Google yeah, that. Yeah, please. Um I, you're on your own I there. Guess. There's nothing bad in that video. It's just I can't explain that to you. Yeah, but we get pulled away because there is a uh voice from outside of the game calling to whoever's playing and we figure out on the actual title page that it is alex wilder hold on sorry also this came out two years before leroy jenkins did yikes and a half yeah (laughs) sorry that's just like time is weird man Time is weird all right (laughs) no but we cut we cut away to see alex wilder who you may know as alex wilder from the hit TV show, The Runaways. Which is based on this book. Yes. So Alex has got this, like, cool backwards, like, gaming headset on. He's a gamer. This is, like, a game station. Yep. PC Master Race. Look at this. Oh, please. The monitor is a Stark monitor. Also, kudos to Adrian Alfona, I guess, for, like, designing this fake-ass MMO interface like you yeah it's actually really good and the way it's rendered on the like the way it's drawn on the screen like when we were in universe quote-unquote um it looked like a marvel comic would be but now that we're out like we it's drawn like a video game and like that's actually really hard to do i feel like so kudos but alex's parents are here and they're basically telling him he needs to stop playing video games yeah and then he says the overlord beckons (laughs) because teens so yeah alex has got a good mix of like nerdy and cool stuff in his room like he's got like the nerd stuff and the action figures but then he's also got posters for the music bands easy star and blase his mom accuses him of of watching porn (laughs) it's funny because like the way that he's trying to explain to his parents what an mmorpg is and the way that this conversation goes is pretty much when my brother and I try to explain to our parents anything past like Doom. Like if we say like it's like Doom but you play it with other people over the internet and like a lot of them then my dad's like okay I can conceive of that but anything past that he's like I don't get it. (laughs) What a way to be. He's very serious and concerned about video game addiction when it comes to football players. Wow. 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 Uh, I don't Anyway. Alex's dad tells him that if the game costs him money, he doesn't want him playing it. 
this makes like this is this okay this whole interaction is just like mind-boggling because it seems like his alex's parents are very mean yeah he so alex explains it as like scrabble but for the computer which again like that's kind of how I have to explain things to my parents. So Yeah, and Alex reminds his dad that this is a gift that they bought him, but apparently that's not good enough. Uh, well, also, so they are like, you, like, we bought it for you, but we didn't pay for a lifetime subscription, which, you know, fair, like, when you plunk down $60 for a game, you don't expect to, like, have a subscription fee also. Let's be real, Mikey. The game wasn't $60. How much was... Uh, okay, I'm not going to go down no, the wow No, 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 don't do that. So he says he's also wearing a Bruce Lee t-shirt that says Bruce exclamation point on it. <laughs> Alex is like, but it's the only place I can hang out with my friends and has like exactly that kind of expression on his face right yeah, now. Yeah, and he pulls the curtain to his room and we see the beach because they live in Malibu in a very Seth Cohen-esque from the OC kind of scenario. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they live like on right on a beach. I know. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the beach doesn't look like no, that there. No, it doesn't. Like this looks more like a Hawaiian beach, but you know. It's all right. I've never been to Malibu. I can't tell. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, basically his parents lecture him about they're going to cancel the service and then he needs to get ready because they're having some sort of meeting and it's an annual thing and he's got to get ready to look presentable. Oh, God, I'm reading the, the dial, what Alex's dad tells him, and that, like, sounds a lot like the kind of stuff my parents say. Caveat, I love my parents very much. My dad understands a little bit more about video games than I was letting on. But this exact thing is, like, I, I have heard versions of this a lot. I know you think I'm a monster, Alex, but someday you'll understand that everything I did was out of love. Like, okay. 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 That's, that's like, harsh parents to the T. Um. <laughs> like it's very realistic but parents man they really just don't understand as the great, great philosopher will smith has told us so we go on and alex and his mom kind of have a heart to heart too so the one thing that runaways really does they very much are like the parents they're not your friends yes i agree which in the tv show is a little bit muddier here they draw a very clear line that there is a difference. They're not doing the things for you that would actually help you, but they're doing what they think would be best for you because of how they were when they were young. And that's that's like everybody's nightmare, right? Like they're not, are these like 2003 standard parents? Are For what we know about what's going on with them, are we supposed to, I don't know, are we supposed to not have sympathy for them? Like we're not supposed to have sympathy for them here. Well, see, that's the thing. We don't, we don't know they're like just doing the parent thing right now. Yes. You can be looking ahead like I always do. Yeah. And uh, apparently good deeds should be done in secret with no expectation of reward. I think the the in secret part is a little weird because like, yes, with no expectations of reward, but also like <laughs> you don't necessarily do them in secret. Alex is criticizing his parents like charity functions about just like giving money and having these fundraisers yeah. and then like never doing anything like visibly helpful. No. And Alex is on the right here, I think, because his mom is trying, basically his mom is trying to convince him that their like upper crust version of charity is the best way of doing it. And that's not. That's not true whatsoever. Yeah. But 
we like we cut away from Alex and his parents and then we go to someone else and it happens to let us know at the top of the page because it says the York's residence 601 p.m. So we get Gertrude York's uh telling her parents that she does not want to go with them at all. Yeah. And their house is filled with garbage. They've got like a Edo era Japan, like that kind of style of like painting or woodcut. I can't tell at the distance. They've got like a Roman centurion helmet sitting next to the telephone. A rotary phone. Let's not forget the rotary phone. Yeah. And like a marble bust sitting on their coffee table. And like, oh, those are definitely katanas in the shelf in the living room. And then also like this weird Tesla coil thing on top of that same shelf. Yeah. And then like a weird big painting behind the couch of their living room that looks like it belongs in the Louvre. Yeah, it's just it's a whole lot of things going on here. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they don't know how to decorate. <laughs> no, but it does paint the picture of what we're supposed to think about the Yorks, especially from their conversation they're having with Gert and the fact that uh, they're talking about like social- socialism versus capitalism and like the first couple of, of, of bubbles that we get here. Yeah. And so like Gert's dad says, you're only a sophomore in high school, Gert. There's a reason they kill all you kids, wise fools. And then she goes, actually, that's a fake etymology, Dad. Sophomore is derived from sophist. It has no direct correlation to the Greek word for fool, as any fool would know. (laughs) And then, so Gert's dad says, do other parents have to deal with this under his breath? And uh, we do another cutaway. They've, they've, you know, they have a very particular way of talking there. Yeah, having a conversation, which is supposed to illustrate the differences, right? Yeah. Because we do these quick cutaways and... Um, the next time we cut away, we cut away to the Dean residence at 6.13 p.m., which is right around the same time. They have like a grayish purple kitchen. I don't like it. And they're making tempeh fajitas for the fundraiser. It's, I don't like it at all. They're, um, did you ever read Babysitter's Club, Charlie? I mean, I did. They're like Dawn's family. I couldn't tell you any details about that. So Carolina, the Deans are like peak stereotypical California. They're vegetarian when that wasn't really a thing yet. I mean, it was a thing, but it wasn't like a fad diet kind of thing. Like you couldn't go to just any store and buy tempeh, really. So this is definitely a whole thing. You had to look for it. Yeah. Yeah, you had to look for it. So and they are apparently also vegan. And they're talking about nutritional yeast. And apparently Carolina's dad got a tip. Nutritional yeast is okay. It's like an umami flavor. Says says the man who who drinks Soylent. I don't want to hear it. Excuse me? Are we going (laughs) to... I'm not going to bring it up. No, we're not talking about this now. Um, We did, but we're moving on. I'm not dragging you about Silent, don't worry. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, sure, sure you aren't. Anyway, so Mr. Dean talks about the fact that he learned that little nutritional yeast trick from basinger who who i assume is supposed to be kim basinger basinger yes because he's they're well they're both actors in this in the original yeah carolina's mom always has her mouth like she's that person from the bachelor or the bachelorette i can't remember which that when i was listening to them do the podcast for it Griffin McElroy always talked about is like being able to fit like an entire burger in her mouth in like one bite (laughs) 
she's got that expression on her face. It's very mouths, disturbing. Yeah, mouths are weird in this comic. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, the everyone's mouth is a little bit big. Yeah, it's it's a little strange. Carolina's mom's ma is like looking into the dark abyss anyway. <laughs> yes. But anyway, they're having this bonding moment with Carolina over these uh, tempeh fajitas. Terrible. Sounds bad. And we kind of get this little cozy moment here with this family. And Carolina asks basically if they're the only happy couple in California because <laughs> which is a funny juxtaposition to what happens after that. Which is the Stein residence where Chase Stein is being punched out by his dad who is in a wife beater in suspenders in his lab. Also really skinny? Yeah. It's just like a total like this this part for me after watching the show was like just very strange. Yeah, after we figured out that Mr. Stein was James Marston. <laughs> Not James Marston. Oh, that's Cyclops. Damn it. I'm talking yeah, I about did it again. Buffy, you did it again. Or Spike from Buffy. Spike, Buffy Spike from, from Buffy. Buffy from Spike. I'm losing it. <laughs> Spike. He's Spike from Buffy. Yes. That is who Chase's dad, Victor Stein, and then Runaways Hulu series is. <laughs> So, yeah, this was extremely jarring because his father... Yeah, so they're having a fight. Yeah, and his dad doesn't look anything like I thought his dad would look. Yeah, he looks like uh, he would be more comfortable on the set of, like, Deliverance than he would be in a lab. Yeah, it it's very strange. It's also, like, a workout gym. At least for Chase? Maybe it is their gym, because I think he was, like, working out in their private gym, and his dad is accusing him of becoming a dumb jock. And also... Knowing what I know about Chase, like Chase from every other like appearance in any other comic I've ever read him in, this is like almost not the same character. What do you mean? Like just the characterization, right? This is his first appearance. Yeah. And he obviously grows from this point going forward. And I've only read his later appearances. So like he's just an ass. <laughs> and I know why people, some people say they don't really like him in this coming into it. I mean, you'll you'll see more of Chase when he goes on. Of all of them, I think Chase is actually the hardest one to grasp what his deal is from this, like, very first scene. Because this is, like, he's not really a jock, even. I would not call him a jock. He's putting up, he's putting up airs. Yeah. Yes, it's, it, that's very clear. And then we go to Molly at the Hayes residence. And she, she's asking and she, about the birds and the bees, basically. <laughs> How old is she supposed to be here? I feel like, like, eight or something like that. Like, she's definitely okay. by far the youngest. Yes, no, that's that's very obvious. And she's speaking with her. She's talking to her parents as they load her stuff into their car. And because they are all they're also going somewhere. So Molly's trying to ask about the gross stuff happening with her body. They are both doctors. Her mom told her to ask her dad. So they're doing the thing where you like deflect and tell them to go to the other parent. And then Molly's just like, well, I could go look it up on Google. Yeah, and then we get actually confirmation. That okay, she's 11. She's 11, yeah. The, the Molly's 11, and her dad says, okay, we'll just talk about it after the meeting, basically, because we're going to be late, so we don't want to be late. So a nice deflection there. Yeah. And then... So this is the Minoros. So yeah. we've got... Uh, Nico's got... Let's uh, Let me read out some of the band names really fast. Uh, we got Absinthe, Last Chance, Dimpled, Velvet Angel, Christabel, Cat Piss... Ascot with two Z's? <laughs> I 
I can't read what the further ones are. Cat piss is obviously my favorite. <laughs> cat with a K. Oh, and it's even got like a little like cat logo there. Uh, and then she's written on it with like Sharpie, Mad Mistress, You Loser. Like she's written like opinions about the vans, maybe. I mean, or just things on her on her door. This seems yeah. like a very like seems like a very teenager thing to do. And they are also her parents are also beckoning her out because of her locked looks probably locked door. Um, and she tells them that she can't find her black nail polish. And her mom <laughs> threw it away. Yeah, because Oprah's doctor friend said that teens who wear black fingernail polish are more likely to do drugs. So she threw it away. That would be Dr. Phil now. I think this is before he had his own show. You are correct. So now she has to mix together all her other colors to make black. And her dad just says, we're going to be late, aren't we? We don't see Nico here. We don't see her. Like, we only see her door. I think we see, like, enough of who she is from this door. Yes, yes. For sure, though. We don't see her because because of a reason you're coming up, so... Um, we and then we cut back to the Wilder residence a little bit later, and we figure out that that's where all the kids were head- headed with their parents. You like Chase's line face there in the background? It's good. I I miss <laughs> line faces. I I thought I thought the line faces were gone. This one is very funny because it looks like a, it looks even more like a Muppet than uh, <laughs> Jim like Chung's. It looks You're exactly right. like a Muppet. It, God, <laughs> more more so than Jim Chung's line faces. Yeah. But we see this kind of, I guess, yearly meeting that they have because it looks seems like the kids haven't seen one another yeah. for a while. Alex is being beckoned down his parents' very large and very elaborate staircase. So it's worth noting, earlier, we kind of alighted it, but Alex talked about a dorky girl that he lent his Prisoner DVDs, Prisoner being a cult British um, sci-fi show, I guess you'd call it. And also that there's that white guy that always tries to call him brother. Um, so as soon as he comes down the stairs, Chase, of course, goes, what's happening, brother? Which don't ever do that to anyone. <laughs> don't ever do that. But especially not to like a black dude if you're white. Don't do that. Don't. Very bad. Bad. <laughs> what not to do, basically. <laughs> yeah. And we can just see the dread in the, in the speech bubble because it's like melting. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> and then... Alex is reintroduced via her parents to Nico, who is apparently the dorky girl that he lent the prisoner DVDs, and he is, his jaw hits the floor, basically. Yeah, because she's definitely not dorky. Yeah, she's got pretty much the same outfit as she had in the cover uh, here, with the addition of some, like, burgundy tights and some, like, cool boots. It's a very good outfit. Nico's a very fashionable dresser. Yes. She makes all her own clothes, actually. I did not know that. Thank yep. you for telling me. We will get into that very shortly here. So she starts, like, talking about how cool it is, and he's just, like... He's, he doesn't know... Yeah. Supr- he can't believe that someone else likes his stuff. Yeah, and and that it's her, basically. So Carolina sees her and runs up and goes, God, you are so hot. Where'd you get that outfit? And she says, actually, I made it. Um, and Carolina's like, touching it? <laughs> yeah, like touching like touching these, her side. Yeah, these kids are all equally terrible at interacting with other human yeah, beings. Yeah, because Molly in the next panel says, Gert, can I ask you a question about girl stuff? And Gert says, under no circumstance. <laughs> so, like, these kids are like, the, I, I have, I get the distinct impression that, like, these kids, I feel like, the, are the 
only other kids these other kids know? Is that like wrong? To I mean, they go to that? school, but I know, but like it's like it's like one. So the, so they're like forced to interact like once a year when their parents all get together, and like they never talk to each other outside of that time. So. Yeah. It's like when your parents have been friends, like you have a bunch of parents that have been friends forever and they all kind of smush you together because they're like, go hang out while we hang out. Or like if you go to a party and all the kids get stuck together, like I remember going to my parents work parties, the kids and would be stuck together and like whoever was like, hey, do you want to see my like pinball machine? And I'm like, sure, why not? (laughs) But really, no. Or, hey, I got the new Mario game for my Nintendo. You want to play? I guess. <laughs> like, you know, like you're not friends. Yeah. And Alex says as much because when they're all hanging out in his game room in a scene extremely evocative of. The oh, kids. boy. Busting cars. Mood rat? Something. Hood rat. It's, mood. Not, it's not mood. I think it's hood. Hood rat. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. That's that's racing better. is fun. Racing, racing is fun, is fun. Is also and then blah and pinball. <laughs> I think uh, Hood Cat looks like Donkey Kong from what I can see. It it does. They're all stuck in Alex's game room, and he says basically as much as we all see is that they all really don't want to be there, and they'd rather be somewhere else. And Alex has a great idea that they go spy on their parents because what else would you do? Well, apparently Chase wants to, it to be here, but I think he's also just put on a front, so. Yeah. He also asks if they would rather play spin the bottle and produces a bottle of, is that like whiskey? I don't know. It's some unidentifiable alcohol because that is a, a no bottle I've ever seen before. Yeah, that's got like a red stamp on it. Actually, that's like the red stamp that you would have on like Grand Marnier, but it's definitely not Grand Marnier. <laughs> no, definitely not. So we end up seeing Alex push a button and move to like move one of the arcade games to a secret door because that's super normal, right? Yeah, apparently he's built all sorts of secret passages throughout the house to keep an eye on stuff. Okay. Sure. He's super- obsessed that's- with security and surveillance. <laughs> and Molly says this is like the haunted mansion at Disney, only boringer. <laughs> She's not wrong. <laughs> As they're kind of piling into the secret passage, which is like everybody's agreeing to do this, right? And I would question why there was a secret passage at all, but that's just me. Yeah. Also, Nico asks to hold on to Alex because her night vision stinks. Which is <laughs> that sure is a line if I've ever that's... heard one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And Alex basically says to keep their eyes peeled and they end up at a one-way mirror. Yeah, I guess. It's a a two-way mirror. It's not a one-way mirror. It's a two-way mirror. Yeah, they're arguing about whether it's one-way or two-way mirror, what the term is. Understandable. But they look down and their parents are in this giant library. Actually, this looks like a lot like I imagined the dungeon that like the was under the library in our D game looks like yeah i'm having flashbacks <laughs> so there's like a knight in like a suit of armor in the corner like a giant tome encased in glass there's a giant like evil looking like a giant mirror like the one from like snow white and then they have just like this dais with all this alcohol and like glasses and some snacks <laughs> and they're sitting at this giant knights of the round table table 
And they all have costumes on. They basically. all have terrible costumes, costumes. actually. They're not, they're not good. There's, I think the Deans are wearing like this weird, like fake ninja attire. They are. And like the Yorks are like mad scientists. There's some people in some like red cult robes. You've got the Yorks that look like they came out of the set of Indiana Jones as extras. And then the Minorus look like they're into some kind of like bondage dealio. I don't know. Yeah, it's they're all terrible. Yeah. And then there's just Mr. Wilder. He's just in like a normal ass suit. Yeah. And his wife's not like his wife's not dressed up either. (laughs) Also, they're talking about uh, Mr. and Mrs. Dean's plan for their off world enemies which is ominous. That's 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 totally normal, right? Right. And apparently they're calling themselves the Pride. And the kids are kind of looking in on this like the same way that we are and basically saying like what the hell is with these costumes? Yeah, and Alex asks, you know, if they're all thinking the same thing and then Chase says, "Yeah, our parents are totally gay." Just... <laughs> Can we not? I mean, they did call themselves the Pride, and this is California. I get where he's going, but also Chase, wow, way to, like, not put two and two together. Or that could just be Chase, again, pretending to be stupider than he actually is. Yes, which I I would believe. Like, he's pretending to be the jock. Yeah, but Alex comes to the conclusion that they're clearly all superheroes, although they're they're not dressed like superheroes, let's just be honest. We also get a very anime reflection of them in his glasses. Yes. And we cut back to Alex's dad, who asks his wife to bring in their guest of honor, who is looks like someone out of Jet Set Radio. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> so they tell Carolina to take Molly back to the game room. Uh, and Molly wants to see the superheroes, but Carolina makes an excuse of needing to fix her hair. <laughs> Which is the lamest excuse ever, but it ends up yeah. working, so. But sometimes you just gotta, you know, that distracts her enough for them to get her out of there. And we learn that apparently the Wilders handle drugs and gambling, but that this looks like a, quote, working girl. Working girl, okay. They were asking in the snide way if they were taking over, like, other enterprises in the city. Yeah, like, apparently prostitution. Yeah, he says that the local matters, they shouldn't worry themselves, and he says, I don't ask what you do in the fourth dimension. <laughs> Which is just like... And then Alex is like, wait, did they say drugs? Yeah, I mean, everybody should be talking about the fourth dimension, clearly, not just drugs. Yeah, nobody brings that up. Nobody brings that up. That's that's my main concern. Yeah, well, we all know about your feelings on time travel. That's a yeah. well, well-acquainted fact right now. Yeah, and Gert comes to the conclusion that clearly their parents are evil, a fact that she's known since she was five, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, and Chase says his parents are practically saints, which we know is just not true from what we saw of them at the beginning. Yeah, and Alex is... Maybe they're actually superheroes and they rescued this girl. Yeah, okay. And uh, we see Alex's dad basically telling uh, the Hazes to restrain the girl. And their eyes are glowing. Oh, yeah, those are the the ninjas are the Hazes, not the the deans yeah the deans are the weird like bdsm costumes (laughs) but you know we see them with what looks like glowing laser eyes they're not laser eyes but they look like they have laser eyes yeah they're kind of cylon-esque yes and these these are also very non-functional like all of their shit is falling apart continuously (laughs) 
It does. It looks like that. It looks like it's just super bad. They all hate each other. Yeah. yeah. But they're just like going along with this for some reason that we don't know yet. And then the Minoris start chanting like this eldritch tongue and... Mr. Wilder holds this girl up by her jaw and pulls out like a wicked curved dagger and then just stabs her in the heart. And there's this and then there's a scream from behind the mirror and everybody kind of drops what they're doing as this girl drops dead on the floor because Nico lets out a scream when she sees it. Yeah. And that's kind of where we that's kind of where we end up with our good old friend the cliffhanger. Yep. So <laughs> that's that's the first issue. Yeah. I mean, way to set it up, right? Yeah. I think, like, the conceit of the Minori's magic making a barrier around what they were doing in the TV show made a lot more sense than this random, like, two-way mirror. Mirror? Yeah, Like, the only way that would work is if he was trying to spy on people in his own house in meetings that he was theoretically attending. So, like, why would he even have that? (laughs) That's like the, (laughs) why do we even have that lever, Kronk? No, that's very much so what like, it is. It makes way more sense that they would pr- put a protective magic bubble around than just have random, like, uh, you know, fake mirrors. Fake mirrors hanging out? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. But that leads us into issue two, where um, we kind of get another one of these standalone covers. But yeah, the cover out- looks like Alex is banishing someone into the Shadow Realm Yu-Gi-Oh style. <laughs> it does. This, this is, is like also Shadow before Realms Yu-Gi-Oh, I think. Him. It is. This is. The sh- it looks like the shadow realm behind him. I don't know what's behind him in this. It's like a, a, a something up supposed to be upside down. Paint. I don't know. I don't know what it's supposed creepy. to be. It's just a bl- it, weird blob. It's very creepy. I don't like it. But <laughs> we start where we left off, which is um, back in that in that basement. I don't want to. I don't know if I want to call it a basement. What's, um, is our creative team the same on this issue? I believe. Oh it yes, is. it's the same. Yep, it is. Does not change. Um. And uh, obviously, this group called the Pride just killed that quote unquote work girl. And uh, they've been startled by Nico's scream. But they don't, they didn't really know what it was because apparently it was muffled. Yeah, it was muffled because Alex had his hand over her mouth. Yeah. So they all see their parents looking into this uh, false mirror, um, like uncomfortably close to where they actually physically are. Yes. They're way closer than they were in the show. In the show, they were like on a balcony, like above. And for yeah, some reason, I thought they were in the comic too, but no, they're like staring no, into their parents' they're faces. There's just this weird mirror and they're staring right at them. And they, th- they think the parents think that, that there is like some sort of psychic residue from the sacrifice, which was the scream, which is like, that's a leap to make, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so they send... Um, the deans out to sweep the tunnels for rats um, and Alex's mom to go check on the kids. Uh, and they're, they're still all arguing and apparently we learned that they're supposed to keep a secret and they swore to keep this a secret from their kids until they're 18 and it's what the abstract dictates, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't, that really doesn't... Uh... Okay. Yeah, we're getting a lot of like proper nouns here. That's the the abstract. Yeah, Uh, doesn't sound the pride. Yeah, it doesn't sound great. Um, but you know, we cut back to you know we don't see the kids like we we haven't seen them since this started, and um, as we kind of they 
kind of go, you know, Miss Wilder goes up to, you know, the game room and sees all of the kids playing Twister because the hot spot. It is the hot spot. Listen, Twister is very fun. I hate um, Twister. <laughs> it's not athletic. I could never like contort myself. It's not about so that, lose. Mikey. It's not about being athletic. It's just about having a good time. Sure. <laughs> I like Bop um, it better. <laughs> I mean, that's a totally different kind of game. But the kids are playing Twister, not Bop it, and it is. We always we kind of clearly know it's a front, but she doesn't because she super buys it that all these kids are just having a good time playing Twister together as teenagers because that's what you do, right? <laughs> yeah no so they they all they're all smiles and mrs wilder pops back and says basically like back in a flash just gotta Mm -hmm. finish up this new fundraising charter Uh or just clean up a dead body you know whatever whichever one that is yeah and we learn that they've like bolted back to this room because they're all like totally out of breath actually yeah and then they have to go through the the process of filling in Carolina and Molly because they were not there to see the murder happen. Or, you know, maybe not fill in Molly because she is only 11. Um, Gert thinks she deserves to know the truth. Alex is of the camp that they should just hide it from her and preserve her innocence. And Molly, She's right there. <laughs> Molly jumps in and thinks that they're talking about S-E-X and says, I'm not a baby. <laughs> Yeah, and at that point, uh, Gert and Alex share a look, and then uh, Gert like basically tells Molly they're gonna go powder their noses. Yeah, and Molly says that's code for pee, right? Yeah, it's worth mentioning Gert does have purple hair here. Yes, and like yes. some really quirky purple glasses. Yes, they're like I would say not. I I would I was going to say nineties glasses, but this is that's not what this is. Yeah, I feel like they kind of are though. Like they're definitely supposed to be like. I don't care about how I look, so I'm going to wear grandma glasses and, okay. like, fuck the world. Um, but as someone <laughs> whose hair also matches their glasses, I can admire it. Understandable, Mikey. It's a good look. It's a good look. It's a good look. Well, I don't know if these um, gla- these, the sh- shape of the frames is a good look, but, you know, she's trying. Yeah. And, you know, they're trying to, you know, as Gert takes Molly away, you know, Nico starts to try and fill Carolina in on what happened. Like, gently <laughs> Chase and Chase just decides to blurt out that Alex's dad just killed some chick. Come on, really? Yeah, and so Carolina's confused, and Nico and Alex are like, Chase. Like, really? And then they're arguing about who actually committed this murder. (laughs) Because, you know, Alex says, it wasn't just my dad. It was all of our parents he saw. And Chase argues that we have no idea what we saw, which is true. But also, come on, circle gets to square, right? Yeah. Chase is like starting to lose it. And as he starts to like lose his composure, he starts to make more movie references, which are like not in this jock (laughs) character. No. That he's been playing. But, you know. That's okay. I mean, that's we're seeing the cracks, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Go all Menendez brothers. Yeah. That's like this is this is one thing about this book is it throws the pop culture references everywhere yeah like they are extremely prevalent here yeah also it'll become apparent rather shortly but chase has a fascination with pop culture but also like true crime (laughs) and specifically like murderers which is maybe a little bit troubling a little bit i mean 
but when you know parents, yeah when your parents are evil right it's... yeah you know <laughs> uh, you know sometimes when you're a kid also you go down like weird rabbit holes yeah i mean it just happens yeah as they're trying to still have this conversation and like are kind of getting into an argument um gert comes back with molly and says they have to man their battle stations because the parents are coming back yeah and they come back with a giant steamer case that has like 15 buckles around it and like a bunch of like locks on it yeah just like doesn't bode well does it <laughs> it's no it's totally just antiques that are for an auction totally yeah which might have you know they might have bought it if they hadn't seen a dead body like yeah five minutes prior i do think at least for like this issue the super exaggerated expressions that alfona's drawing right now actually kind of work because they're almost kind of like Looney Tunes-esque in the way that they're trying to act sincere. And like they ask some of the kids to get this crate. And Nico's like, I'm not a boy, but I've got tube of muscles. And has this like, <laughs> like she's trying to look like serious, but also is extremely concerned. Yeah, no, those expressions fit this part really well. Yeah, it's extremely, like, trying to grin and bear it while also being like, my world is exploding around me. <laughs> and and uh, her and Alex take the, the trunk out to um, the car all the while talking about whether or not this girl's dead body is inside of it. Yeah, they, they realize it's about the, si- uh, the weight of a dead body. And... Alex does talk about getting everyone's email addies, which is just like, I don't think I, I didn't talk like that at this time. Like that was what my pa- my mom said to try to sound cool. So, you know, maybe Brian K. Vaughn a little not with the times on the lingo, so to speak, because I did not talk about getting someone's email addy. I mean, we are looking back at this. Right. Right. But I know like, for a fact I didn't say that phrase. That was what my mom said. Okay. No, I, I agree. Also, I would have gotten their AOL at the time, you know. Yeah. AOL Instant Messenger. Or their MySpace. Heck yeah. I didn't really have, like, I had an email, but I never used it. I used MySpace. Nobody used email like that. Yeah. Nobody used email like that. I mean, the only time I would get someone's email was if I wanted to get their Hotmail so we could do Yahoo Instant Messenger. Because like you were either yeah you were either an MSN a Yahoo or an AOL like there were people that were like diehard for one or the other yeah no agreed or ICQ but like I don't think kids really did ICQ I used MSN for almost everything I never I hardly ever used AIM but (laughs) long story short nobody's talking through email addresses and especially not calling them email addies (laughs) I'm gonna Um, actually that's how I'm gonna start talking exclusively God please don't. I don't think I could bear that. You know, if you if you want to email us at our email addy at youngonescast at gmail.com. You spoiled the end of the episode, Mikey. I'm sorry. Um, yes, it's but... such a spoiler that we have an email address. Anyway, so they meet up at the Griffith Observatory at 1.03 a.m. precisely. Precisely. We've synchronized our watches um, because they've all, because they, they've all, quote unquote, quote, quote, unquote, run away. Yeah, so... They all show up with their backpacks and Carolina's got like a ball cap on, but they're not actually here for the observatory. They're here for the James Dean Memorial. Okay. You know what? I I never made that connection before that Carolina's last name. Didn't? No, I don't. I just now got it. And it's important for a reason which we will talk about later. Congratulations. Thanks. Also, <laughs> Chase is calling people rude words. Why though? Like... Why? I mean, Why is he like this? 
It's he's because he's trying to be like the jock that insults everyone. I don't know. Oh, sit down, Chase. Literally. He's got like a thing for Carolina, though, because she's like, I suggested that we meet here. And as soon as he finds that out, he like starts trying to apologize. And then uh, Nico and Gert show up together. Gert has another line face that's like anger face in the background. Yeah. And Gert couldn't find her glasses. And she doesn't have a permit yet. Nico's the only yeah. one that does. Um, so they yeah, had to which go. Which is a problem. Yeah. So they're all here. Carolina's got the extremely, like, that's like what Summer would wear. Like, if in the OC they were like, we need to run away. She's got, like, <laughs> arm warmers on to, like, conceal herself. I don't know what she's going for with this look. Not sure. 2003 is what's going on here. Yes. Precisely. Absolutely. So Gert's parents were knocked out because apparently satanic rituals are really hard. <laughs> And they left Molly behind. They're all kind of like trying to process this. And Carolina doesn't understand how it's possible that her parents have lied to us. And so Gert says, what? How is it possible that our parents lied to us? Let's see. Santa, the tooth fairy, the Easter bunny. Um, God, you're the prettiest kid in school. This won't hurt a bit. Your face will freeze like that. And then Alex finishes with everything's going to be all right. Yeah. I mean, basically, those are examples, but also... They haven't necessarily, li- I mean, they've lied to the kids, but, like, they've just also been hiding the truth. Yeah, so they're all trying to figure out, like, what's going on with them. Alex is kind of comparing them to, like, he's like, we should go to the cops. Um, Carolina has not heard of any bad guys like their parents in her history of mass crime elective and can't find anything about them on the internet. Chase is insisting they aren't super terrorists. <laughs> And then Gert points out that maybe they're like the Freemasons. Yeah, the secret, a secret society, which is not all that wrong. But they um, are not the Illuminati, because that is another group in Marvel, as we learned a couple yes, episodes as we ago. Learned a couple episodes ago. Yes, so they're going to try to call the police. Yeah, they're going to narc on them. Not, every, not everybody can agree that running away is the best thing to do. So uh, Alex is going to call the police. Before we get there, so Nico becomes the tiebreaker because they're two and two. So Nico's not really sure because her parents have always been nice to her. But, you know, that girl was really scared. So make the call. And Chase accuses her of only doing that because she wants to suck face with Alex. Okay. To which she says, I do not. And then Alex starts to walk away and starts calling. And Chase says, you're making a big mistake, bro. Oh, God. Chase, just stop. And then we cut away to the police department where a detective picks up the phone. This man looks very tired. He does look very tired. He's I mean, it, like a, it's one. It's one oh seven a.m. He's got a large Slurpee cup full. Yeah, of, I was gonna um, say Slurpee cup. Uh, full of soda looks like. And Alex tries to explain extremely terribly that um, their parents are part of an organization called the Pride, and that they murdered somebody, and they are bad scientists. And uh, the detective says, "Nice try, kid." That line might work in New York, but it's going to take a lot more than than that to, for us to lock them up here. Okay, Los Angeles, go for it. You have supervillains too. Don't even. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll also get into that, into LA's specific brand of supervillains. But he does tell Alex to try the Super Freaks Avengers hotline, to which Alex replies that he's been calling it since I, since he was eight and it's just a machine. <laughs> And so he just gets hung up on as he starts getting louder and louder. And yeah. so they're on their own. They start to argue again about like like what was in the trunk that they brought back. And 
Chase is convinced that this isn't real. Like, what they saw is not real, which I guess, coping, right? But the only way that they can prove that it's real and maybe prove to the police that it's real is with some hard evidence. So they go back and do the very smart thing of trying to get this dead body out of this chest. So they go down the Santa Monica freeway at 1.59 a.m. in this white panel van. So... Gert is extremely tired, which big mood, and says, I ran away from home and now I'm running back there. To which Alex replies that this is a smash and grab mission. And then and that Chase <laughs> is driving this white van because nobody's ever looking for this white van because there's so many of them around. He makes another timely true crime reference to uh, the Virginia snipers, which is a real life thing that I actually lived through. It was terrifying. terrifying yeah. No, yeah. it was legitimately terrifying. Like we were not allowed to have outside recess during that time. So, you know, maybe a little insensitive. Oh, uh, just but a little that's bit. That's true. They were looking for like every white van in like the D.C. metro area. That's why he asked his parents for one, because it's off the man's radar. All right, Chase. I just had just about enough of you. Yeah, and Gert says the apple didn't fall far enough away from the tree on this one. <laughs> She's not wrong. The Yorks have an honest-to-God castle. Yeah, it's like, like they a don't have a mansion. It's like home. a ca- yeah. It's like got like a brick. It's ridiculous. It's yeah, ridiculous it's, it's, looking. It's a pretty. It's a pretty ridiculous house. And basically, Gert tries to explain to them that their her parents are are super out and they're not going to wake up no matter. What they do, but they're sneaking around this house that's full of these terrible, like, yeah. ant- antiquities. It, antiques, uh, Carolina, Carolina says, it's like a whole season of Antiques Roadshow down here, <laughs> uh, which she's not wrong. Because, no. again, we've got, like, a weird mishmash of things from, like, different architectural styles and time periods, including a pink flamingo just, like, amongst like you know this like you know like lion sculpture and like a buddha type thing and like a greek like bust and a telescope and all this ridiculous mumbo jumbo and and we also have a um, electronic keypad which every house has one of those right yeah sure and carolina she knows that some of these are darker than others so that must be the ones that are used the most oh sorry she's not wrong that's uh nico that's nico yeah so Nico, according to Carolina, goes all C- uh, uh, is CSI on this because that's also another timely reference at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> and uh, we get the beeps into this keypad that ends up opening up the wall. The password is pride. Chase says, isn't that a little obvious? And Carolina says, my mom's AOL password is password. <laughs> so... Which- I mean, true. Parents, really. And the wall, like, the bricks just kind of open up. Yeah, they, like, recess, and there's, like, a trap door. And And a giant dinosaur. Yeah, that comes out with a roar and teeth. And that is the end of the second issue. Yeah, with the giant, with a... This terrifying raptor with a septum piercing. Exactly. It's so cute, though, even if it's a giant dinosaur. I don't care. Old Lace is great. Old Lace is very good, as we will learn. Spoiler alert, Old Lace is good. (laughs) Yes, Old Lace is very good. Even I know that. <laughs> so we are continuing on with the cliffhangers. I I missed them, didn't you? <laughs> Not really, but it's weird no. to think about, like, so this is, like, written with issue cliffhangers, but is also, like, in digest form. So I assume that, like, more than one of these would be in each digest. So you would yeah. get, like, the cliffhangers 
and then you'd like if it was if this was a real manga, you'd get a cliffhanger at the end of like a chapter, and then you'd get like an ad for like Tokyo Pop, whatever, and then you'd flip the page and go to the next chapter. But Tokyo Pop, yeah, yes, but... <laughs> that was that was the big one back then. I mean, I know, I know. That is the end of the second issue of Runaways. So, which brings us to our great segment at the end of our show. This or that. <laughs> this or that. Yes. We do need some like game show music over this. I don't know. Do 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 do. It's this or that. This or that. Won't you guess what's in that book? I don't know. I had a thing there and then I lost it. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Maybe there's some other music to come. But. <laughs> okay. I this... see. My music isn't good enough for you. I'm sorry, Mikey. Okay. Right. But this uh-huh. week, our. Um... Do you want me to read out the email? Please, please do. This comes from our uh, good friend, Casey Crook, who sent us some wild-ass covers. Yeah, and says, My friend and I have seen this DC hero, the Spectre, a lot at our LCS, that's local comic shop, and we have no idea who this is, what their powers are, and whether he is a hero or villain, and I have no desire to know for certain. (laughs) Each cover seems to further this mystery, and I thought y'all might enjoy playing along. Note, these are a little spooky, as he appears to be some sort of ghost skeleton creature that also maybe controls the souls of the dead. Also note, the one titled Spectre 26, the big bug one, is not technically a cover, but I've included it because holy moly. (laughs) Thank you very much, Casey. (laughs) Thank you, Casey. I know nothing about this. And I went last time, Mikey, so why don't you des- why don't you describe these for us? Okay, so we've got this first one that is emblazoned with the title Weird Adventure Comics, still only 20 cents, the line of DC superstars. And we've got a giant, is this just, co- got a giant o- purple octopus holding three men in three tentacles in the sea while... The person that I presume is the specter looms like behind large behind them in this like green cloak. And then there's like a cliff with I thought at first I didn't think it was a cliff. I thought it was like a rock golem with like a Cylon head. But I see now that I think it is actually a cliff with an observatory on it. Uh, This is just like that boss battle from Cuphead, right? Yep, just like it. Yeah, the, like, calamari lady. Yeah. Yeah, and the specter just has to fight this boss and then get the, like, whatever coins. I don't know that much about Cuphead, I will admit. And then the bug one that Casey also mentioned is (laughs) a giant moth holding a demon baby in its, like, claws, which, or legs, (laughs) I think. And it's, like, looming over him as it, like, births forth other moths and says, Redemption, Spectre, redeem this. And the Spectre's just kind of standing there. Like, he's got his fist clenched. Yeah, Let's but that's not... a really terrible pose. That's not even, like, a good action pose. It's not. That's like, but... I'm here, I guess I'll fight you. Yeah, I... And, like, there's more, like, moths, but they're just, like, hanging out on the ground. There's like a, some there's like some other bugs. There's like a moth yeah. and a gra- and grasshopper. It's not it's not fun, guys. I mean, like so the moths and the specter are all green. So like the red of the demon baby works kind of well contrast-wise. 
but also like dripping blood down the oh, side of right. the and it's the, dripping it's, blood off it's dripping of the, blood over the speech bubble yeah it's it's, it's like a cool effect but it's like also extremely terrifying yeah and then me. the back of the cover is like bright yellow I yeah don't... okay so if i had to guess what's going on in these covers which is the whole goal what can the specter do mikey based on these covers what do you think he can do the specter can get really really big and kind of like become the clouds as he's doing in this first cover um and maybe he actually sentenced these men to die via uh kraken lady he certainly looks like he did yeah, I don't think he's trying to protect them. He's like, no. I've got you in my trap. I'm going to watch you. Maybe he's like astrally projecting himself onto these clouds to look more terrifying while actually sitting in an obs- observatory and enjoying a nice cup of tea. I like it. I like it. Um, that's, that's what I think he's doing based on this first cover. Um, okay. Maybe also eating the rich. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe he's worried about the horrors of the whaling and oil industries, and so he's protecting our shores from those who would hurt the environment. I think I I like that. Um, I've got a uh, I've got a, a brainstorm for the second cover here. Go for it, because I've got nothing. You know, you know, like the fly, like Jeff Goldblum and the fly. Uh huh. Um, I think it's pretty mysterious that this giant moth creature is, like, colored the same as the Spectre's costume. So I'm thinking that uh, he, like, turned into this giant moth, like, f- like the fly style. And, um, like, he needs to, like, he try- he's trying to redeem himself. So this is, like, his manner. psyche. Yeah, this is, like, his psyche. So he's got this, like, demon baby that's maybe representative of his soul? So... Okay. That's 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 just my that so, so I think he just turned in yeah, I think he just turned into this giant moth. He's fighting an internal conflict for his own soul and fighting the the like manifestation of that. Maybe like he views the fly itself as like a neutral figure on the cosmic scale, but like he <laughs> has some great sin that he committed. And that's what the yeah. baby is. And that's what the baby is. And he's he can't reconcile those two things. So this is like a almost like a um This is a, this is clearly an ex- existential horror comic. Yeah. So this is like almost like a Donnie Darko type situation. Yeah, I agree. It's like Frank the Frank the Rabbit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Situation. How did he get from I, do you think because this is obviously by the art later than the first issue? How did he get from kind man? Who you know what? Maybe this is he looks much younger here, also. Maybe the first one was like the original Spectre, and then this is like the new young Spectre who has like demons and is like redone for the 2000s era, like based on the fly and the crow and like those same kind of like redemption, those same kind of like I like it. Yeah, I like it. Like a new hero for through, a new age that also yeah, has a lot of dark, problems. This is like the new 52 relaunch of the Spectre. Yes, yes, agreed. Okay, yeah, I got it. We got it. Got yeah, it in one, done, Mikey. We did it. We did it. I hope you liked that. Yeah. Apparently, you can maybe buy this comic for 20 cents. I don't know. Uh, I, I imagine it's a lot more than that nowadays. <laughs> it this says is number 20 cents. Why would, com- why would comics lie to me, Mikey? This is number 436 uh, of weird adventure comics, if you're curious. I don't know what the... 
I think this this one is Spectre twenty six is the big bug one. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna ruin everybody's day when the when it comes out on uh, the episode comes out on Thursday, uh, and just post these two, because this this one with the moth is it's bad. It's terrifying. <laughs> it might give you well, nightmares. Yeah, maybe not post it. Uh, maybe I won't. I don't know, man. Um, but anyway, that concludes um that that concludes that. I hope. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. So we are, we since Charlie will be going to Katsukon, um, President's Day weekend in the United States, at least, we will be doing a filler episode. Um, we'll have one, we'll still have one normal episode, but like after Next this week. One. Next week. But then yeah. the week after, we will have a special episode where we are soliciting pitches for as weird or as totally normal as you want what you think would make a good like alternate universe superhero team marvel only because that's what we know best um yes. so we we want to be we don't want to have to go research um characters so you'll still have after this episode comes out about a day because we're closing submissions friday evening at 9 p.m eastern standard time UTC minus four, I believe. Yes. So feel free to get those in. Tweet at us at Young Ones Cast, or if you don't have a Twitter, um, feel free to email them as well. Try to keep them short, like one sentence if you can, because um, anything longer that what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take those ideas and run with them and kind of like yes. the same way we do with the covers and then figure out which one we like the best and make that like talk about that we'll yeah we'll flesh that out the most yeah so so um we're gonna get some we're gonna get some good things and we'll find the nugget yeah it can be as simple as like train robbers led by hercules and as elaborate as it uh should be led by this person and this person this person this person are in it and they're all in a relationship together like that's also cool yeah it can be as simple or as elaborate as you want but do try to keep it to like tweet length like single tweet 180 characters now yeah that's a little bit longer it's 200 and something now 156 yeah yeah uh, 256 yeah no more 100 no more 140 characters i'm sorry twitter rip 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 twitter forever um <laughs> but <laughs> that aside um as maggie said you can find us on twitter at young ones cast where we give you some programming notes if we have them we'll tweet out these fun things that we like to do because they're fun and i like to have fun i don't know about you guys but i like to have fun yeah. um and that's where we post our episodes um, when they go up and also um where we link to our editor everett christensen's articles um that he writes for us and he just started like a really nice series of articles that's going to run like every month about hugs great hugs and comics and it's the best thing so yeah you should go read that the first one's like a little bittersweet because it's like hugs while also dealing with sorrow and loss but i think it's still important to like remember there can be good things despite the bad yes. so first one's on uh battle world's runaways yes so if that sounds like something that you would like to read go check it out at youngonescast.com and as well, Charlie was just on an episode of Battle of the Atom, another superhero podcast run by our good friends. Uh, Zach and Adam. Yep. 
that I was on an episode this past Monday. Talking um, about Shatterstar, as you talking do. Talking about Shatterstar, like I do. Somebody really enjoyed it. They followed our Twitter because they heard me on that podcast. So. Well, that's really nice. Thank you, whoever yeah. that is. Yeah, it was very good. So you can catch me over there and you can catch them every Monday. You can catch us every Thursday. And also, if you like what we're doing here and would like us to do it more and would also like to tell people about it or tell us what you think about it, please leave a review either on iTunes, Google Play or Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast and it would help us out a lot. Yeah. Speaking of Stitcher, there uh, was just announced today they're releasing, in conjunction with Marvel, a new Wolverine-like long-form narrative podcast, which sounds super cool. I did not get to listen to the preview yet, but I'm super excited for it. Uh, it is great. It's actually really great. So I hear. Um, yes, but you can find me um, personally at Genetic Ghost on Twitter. Hang out. I hang out. <laughs> you hang out and sometimes explode about, you know, gay X-Men, as you do. Yeah, as I do. And you can find me at quantum dot dot on Twitter, uh, where I talk about quite a few things. And you can also find me. I have actually started streaming again semi-regularly at twitch.tv slash quantum dot. Most recently, I've been playing Overland, which is an indie strategy game where I get to put my dear viewers in terrible situations and watch them be murdered by cryptids, usually because I'm bad at it. (laughs) So the art is really gorgeous, though, and it's a really well-designed game. I'm just you know, still learning the ropes. So I feel bad about all the dogs. Like there's dogs in the game and I frequently they die in fiery explosions and I'm sorry about it. <laughs> but I'm going to try to find something more lighthearted that's kind of pick up and play because uh, yeah. Overland has kind of started to be a bit of a bummer, even though I have a lot of fun with it. So, but yeah, I usually tweet about that. So if you follow me on Twitter, you know, you'll see it there. But yeah. Thank you so much for listening, as always, everyone. I know a lot of people also started listening to us from the Christina Strain interview and went back and listened to the back catalog. If you were one of those people, we super duper appreciate you. Thank you for doing that. It makes us feel really good to know that people are appreciating that. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, like I said, if you enjoy this, you just want to let us know. Um, you can let us know on any of those avenues. But until next week. And email us at youngonescast.com, which I spoiled <laughs> mid-episode. You did. Uh, get that email Addie out there, Mikey. <laughs> um, oh, Lord. Uh, yes. But until next week, where we talk about more runaways and get some more of the, the what would be a mid to, mid to the, uh, early 2000s term for get the more information. Lowdown? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. We're going to get the lowdown on, on these kids. Yeah, we'll get some more information about these kids next. <laughs> you had to really dig deep for that one, huh? I, I don't remember what I was... I was. I don't remember what I was doing in 2003. I mean, I do, but... It, I was on MySpace. I'm not going to talk about it. I was on um, MySpace. So. I just got my MySpace. <laughs> and I decked it out with, like... The, the background was black and it had like neon blue letters because it was all about being cool. It was not about having your blog be readable. No. Well, also, I think I had one... like Good Charlotte tunes like pinned to an Evanescence. Guys, if you guys want to catch Avril us Levine, on, maybe. If you guys want to catch us on MySpace, um, you can do that. Um, <laughs> My MySpace is long gone. <laughs> long gone. Until... That is a relic of the internet. <laughs> Goodbye. Until next week, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for putting up with us. Bye. Bye.